not sick, but I'm not well. And I'm so hard, cause I'm in hell. Okay, do you want to do an introduction? What do we do? You can introduce me, I'll let you do that. I, I, am, I am definitely running this show. Okay. Cool. I mean, to be honest, like, this was your idea, and yeah. I was sort of dragged into it because I'm sitting on the sofa. But. That's true. That's very true. Okay, are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Hello, and welcome to Gay for Peep Show. Otherwise known as Two Lesbians Talking About Peep Show. Yeah, we had a disagreement about what the title should be. Two Lesbians, One Peep Show? <laughs> <laughs> now you've just added a third one into the mix. It's, it's made it very difficult. Very confusing. Very okay. confusing and so, tough for me. <laughs> as the person very much leading this podcast... Yes. I am the leader. <laughs> in that I am not willing, not a willing participant. Well, I actually am. M is the producer. We haven't even introduced ourselves yet, by the way. This is very freeform. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Emma. I'm Matilda. Um, otherwise known as Tilly and M. Yeah, that's a bit formal, isn't it? Tilly and M. We'll go with Tilly and M because Tilly that's M. what literally everyone calls us. Yes, so we're Tilly and M. And uh, basically, uh, this evening, actually... This very evening, Em and I went to the beach and watched the sunset, didn't we? It yeah. was very romantic. And, and talked about Peep and Show. And started talking about Peep Show. <laughs> because this is what we do on our very romantic <laughs> dates. <laughs> and on the way back, we, uh, we decided we wanted to make a podcast about Peep Show. We basically decided that, uh, I don't know, that Peep Show is such a fascinating piece of writing that it that it's it worth is. i mean what we actually discussing. what what i actually came up with was an idea for a spin-off of Pin, peep show oh yeah i don't know whether we should i don't know whether we should talk about that yet no we, we, we need to pitch it to mitchell and webb yeah don't so, want anyone nicking our idea so we've got an idea thousands in that. we've got an idea about uh about uh what they should do with peep show if they ever bring it back yeah when they should bring it back and what they should do yeah and I guess that can be the teasing thing, right? Yeah, yeah, because we're, we're going to sell this for millions, right? Yeah, absolutely. 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 People like Anyway, that. should we get on with it and stop chatting? Jesus <laughs> Christ, babe. <laughs> I didn't even want to do this. I want to go to bed at some point. I'll tell you what, actually, um, if someone had access to my, uh, to my hard drive, they would find a lot of recordings of me attempting to do podcasts with people that are only sort of <laughs> semi into it. Good. It's, and, uh, I mean, the, th the difficulty with this situation is that I live with you. Yeah, so you can't get so away. So I kind of can't really get away from yeah. you. So you're just going to like thrust a tried. mic in my face and make me talk about Peep Show because mm -hmm. you know I'll respond. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, should we get on with that? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, we should. Right. Okay, so... Um, should, are we going to have names for segments, or should I just say what the segment is? Well, okay, we're, so what we're doing... Well, I should talk about the <laughs> format, shouldn't I? Do you have to bore people? No, no, no. So what we're doing... <laughs> do you see this love and support I get? I hope people listen to this, realise... No one is listening to How this. lovable you are. <laughs> this is exact. Literally, that sentence is on so many audio files on my computer. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think a friend of mine once said... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who are you talking to? And I said, the people that will be listening to this. And he said, oh, okay, hello, you. 
<laughs> really oh cut gosh. me to the core, which is important. Please cut out my horrendous laughter. It is important for this, um, because today we watched uh, episode one of series one, <laughs> we Warring <did>. Factions. <laughs> which and what we've brilliant. decided we're going to do is every week we're going to watch one episode of Peep Show in order, every single episode, and we're going to talk about it. And we're going to talk about it in these specific themes. And if you notice the specific themes, you might get an idea of the, the sequel to Peep Show that we want to write. Um, from the things that we find interesting in the show. Are we? I, I wasn't aware of this, but okay. Yeah, definitely. Fine. 100%. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so it starts on, first scene's on the bus, right? Yeah, well, no, he's chasing Sophie onto the bus. Yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. first scene, yeah. So Mark is the pursuer. He is the pursuer. He is the pursuer, right. Okay. Um, yeah, and I guess, I guess, like, the first thing I thought when, like, you rewatch it and like hear Mark is like everything that he's doing is the things that you panic about and overthink in your head and are like, oh, wouldn't it be awful if that happened? You know, like shower thoughts. Yeah. But Mark is what would happen if those things actually happened. Right. Like with the with the hair sitting on his hand. Yeah, yeah. And then being like, oh my god, now I can't move it. Like I feel like that's situations that probably do happen, but like he overthinks them and his his thought process is what your thought process is but it doesn't happen if that makes sense so you're saying so you're saying <laughs> that uh, it's relatable mark has got like mark has got so many reasons to be anxious it's perfectly justifiable anxiety because the things that happen to him are really awkward and terrible yeah i mean i'm yeah. not i'm not saying he's a good person but no. like Oh no, and he really isn't. By the he way, he really isn't. He really isn't. Absolutely not. We That's... are we are laying down that yeah. right now. I mean, That's neither the of them are good feel. people, but I feel like uh, Jeremy tries. Yeah. So I was gonna say my initial thoughts there were the theme song was different, right? Starting. Oh right yeah, because it's the doo doo doo. I don't even know what that is. Who made that? I don't. I don't know. I think is it meant to start, sound a bit like the the art gallery music, where it's kind of like, oh, isn't this boring? Like, oh, what, you know, um, you're just you talk about music. <laughs> yeah, like with elevator music. Yeah, where they where they take all of the like, or no, no, like you know, on those art pleasant. shows where it'd be like. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I don't know any art shows like that. Did you never watch Smart as a kid? I think I did, but I really don't remember the theme song. Okay. I really enjoyed the performance. Thank you. I'm a bit worried I've just like dreamt that bit of music now. You might very well have. Well, it was a weird sort of almost Mandela effect feeling because I didn't. I didn't expect it to be a different theme song. So I was ready to hear Harvey Danger singing to me. Yeah. And I thought, have I got this all wrong? It's, was this actually just in the scene <laughs> in Peep Show? But no, I know. I know that it's not. And it, it kind of makes sense, really, for it to like have that progression. Like, It makes sense because it's called Peep Show and it's very much like you're watching this thing happen. And I think the music's meant to sound boring because we're kind of watching those like, mundane, boring oh, see, things. I, don't think it I feel boring. like I, I feel think it like... sounds really ominous. It sounds like really, yeah, I really do. It it sounds like no, I can uh, actually know. Sounds like the sense. kind of music you'd use to like underlay underlay a, a scene on a stage where uh, on like a pantomime where in a pantomime where a creepy looking person is sort of skulking onto the stage and looking around. I feel like that's the music that we'll be playing. This like ominous kind of simple. You know that thing where if you yeah, no, to that really makes sense. Yeah, if you listen to really childish sounding music, it's like puts you on edge for some reason makes you feel vulnerable mm. yeah wow. 
That wasn't really deep. Yeah, it did. And I just thought it was meant to be that we're looking at their lives and it's boring. It was almost like they were trying to undersell the show to you, like, like as though they they never expected it to be good. What I mean, you know, it, like you know, it had of, terrible viewing figures. Kind of doing itself down. The only reason Channel Four kept it going was for the kind of for the legacy and the sort of cult following, but yeah. it really didn't do very well. So, it, and it is, does have this kind of abrasive. Co- quality to it. I think the thing is, I was surprised by how little I noticed like the signature aspect of the show, which is that it's filmed from POV. I'm surprised. I know. I feel like I never noticed that. Do you know, one time I noticed it, which was when I was watching this with uh, one of my flatmates when I was in halls at uni and she, she was American. She'd never seen it before in her life. And she felt sick, motion sickness watching it. Because they really do like, yeah. They they stabilize them later on, but they move the cameras a lot early because obviously they don't yeah. have the right rig for them, so they're just sort of moving about. All you the do time. get the sense that it's like very very low budget to start with. Yeah, it really is. I mean, but it's great. It I almost looks like, like a sitcom it. filmed on like an old mobile phone camera in in many ways. Yeah, I mean, not that grainy. Just like maybe <laughs> what I'm talking about is, as you know, maybe mobile phone cameras were never like that. No, they were. They were. <laughs> I think I believe that they were. I just feel like I I did a lot of uh, I did a lot of filming as a teenager. I was in a sketch sketch troupe uh, where yeah 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 we made. Uh, we I made feel like this sketches. is about you and not people. Should I? No, I, no, I mean th- we made sketches. This is actually very relevant to the plot of this. Okay. We made sketches. They were very. They were awful. We didn't really put much effort into them. We didn't really like properly write them. We just did sketches that were awful um, and they were terrible. And we were so proud of them that we showed everybody. And everybody obviously secretly were like cringing inside. It's going to be like this podcast, isn't it? (laughs) Maybe so. And this is why Warring Factions was so interesting to me because the first thing I noticed was that, I mean, we never hear Jeremy write a piece of music in the show again. So in this this yeah. uh, this episode is where they introduce the like long running joke of this is outrageous, this is contagious. Yeah. The song that's like kind yeah. of a rip off of the prodigy breathe, I think. Um, Firestarter, no, no breathe. Okay, fine. They're so futile. It's like the same as uh, come play my game. It's the same thing. I can't believe you actually know the words. Yeah, love the prodigy, but say. Um, this is outrageous. <laughs> so, but yeah, you never hear him make a single piece of music again. And if you think yeah. about that, we were, you know, we saw their lives for nine nine years. In fact, more more time passed in the show. Mm. But we had nine seasons. I mean, I never watched it when, as it came out. I binge watched it. All no, no, year. and neither yeah. did I. I don't think many of us because because this debuted in the in the early noughties. I mean, yeah. we weren't watching this kind of comedy then. We were Do you children. think it's the Netflix thing? Because it's like it's on Netflix now. Maybe that's why. Well, it was on 4AD before, which is where yeah. a lot of people discovered it. But yeah, no, it really fascinated me that like <laughs> that Jeremy makes something, and then and then Mark bursts the illusion where you, where you're proud of what you've made, but then yeah. you realise <clears throat> that it's not good enough. Yeah, and I think like. I think I genuinely think that really has an effect on Jeremy for the rest of the show. We never hear him write a piece of music again. He's so hurt by Mark betraying him and crushing him. If you don't I mean, know what we happens, do hear him write stuff. Not really. You hear him play around with on other the other people, and so yeah, but yeah, no. In fact, no. In fact, you don't actually. In fact, the two the two times you see him perform music, I'm sure after this, are, are, are he's either um, 
there's twice like he pretends to be in the band. Yeah. But he's because of some situation he's not allowed back. He he doesn't get on stage with the band. Right? He mm. never seems to get on stage. Never seems to really write anything. And then there's that one thing where he's in a jam. Oh and yeah. He and he says like, he can play the saxophone. And he can't. And he can't. And every time he plays something they're like shh. Yeah. So yeah. you never hear him really properly play music again. Yeah. I think it crushes him. I I think genuinely Jeremy is such an interesting <coughs> character because he because of how vulnerable he is. He really doesn't have a strong sense of self. And you notice that after after Mark betrays him, he has to go to Superhands. And you can tell that he's just taking Superhands' advice on face value because he just needs to believe something. He's so <coughs> fragile, you know? Wow. I think Jeremy's a really relatable character. And this is what we, you know, I think we were thinking about doing this in quite a formal way, but maybe it's informal. But what we're really interested in is the character development of Mark and Jeremy, right? And we're interested in their relationship, yeah. <coughs> yeah. Their, their friendship, their very, you know, toxic codependent relationship, right? And the thing I notice, I noticed is that Mark is so uh, competitive with Jeremy. Yeah. Right? Did you notice that? Almost, almost to like a, a petty point. Right, right, right. Yeah. And like, but Jeremy's not like that with him. Jeremy really cares what he seems Mark to care, thinks. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Mark <coughs> believes Jeremy is kind of... Mm. Uh, it, I guess it's kind of that thing where... It's kind of that thing where you have a, you have a friend, right, who you know is always going to do worse than you in life. Or you believe yeah. it. I mean, you, as, as you get become an adult, you realise that, you know, this way of thinking about people is incredibly damaging. But when you when you're younger and you feel more competitive with people around you, you definitely always have yeah. one friend who you think, well, you know, at least I'm better than this person, right? Yeah. And it seems like that's who Jeremy is to Mark. Yeah. But but to Jeremy, Mark is like almost like a big brother figure. It's, mm. So it's weird like they I think they both In a way, but in a way I feel like Jeremy very much like looks down on Mark and he's like, well, oh, bless him, he doesn't get any sex. Like he's got no idea how to talk to women. Yeah, I mean, I think that, but I think that's kind of, that's kind of the way you feel about your, about your family, isn't it? You know, he, he doesn't see it as a point yeah, of Yeah, I, I guess, it's, it's I guess. It's affectionate, it's yeah, affectionate. Yeah, that's true. I mean. And like, I guess more maybe, yeah, maybe concerned that like he's not doing so good. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I mean, as a nice segue to that. See how, how smooth that transition well was. Well Thank you. Seamless. Um, I had some more points on, like, the juxtaposition between Mark and Jeremy. Mm -hmm. May I go through them? Yes, absolutely. Go ahead. Good. Okay. So, in my incredibly well-written-out notes that I <laughs> have got a lot of spelling mistakes in... Mm -hmm. um, I've written, Mark's the voice in your head that you're worried you're, you will be, which is kind of what I just said that. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of thought, like, a lot to do with, like, Mark's narrative. It's almost kind of like a bad dream. Wow, that's really interesting. Like, <clears throat> so, like, the watching, watching uh, Tony and Tony. Yeah get off and like making him leave yeah that is almost like a bad dream right you try and get you've with a girl had that happen to you? and then so, sorry you've never had that happen to you what watched other people get off no what? <laughs> well it wasn't I, 
Or the dream. I've I'd never be, had it. You know, I'd be happy if you hadn't dogged, but... <laughs> I no, think, I haven't been dogging. I say, no, I, I didn't mean, mean I didn't mean like, watch when, it. I mean like when like, you're trying to get off with someone and yeah. they rebuff you so heavily. This so is a heavily teenage thing. That you, and then they get off with like someone else. Yeah. And they basically say it's time to leave and you walk home defeated. That's never happened to you? Not um <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't think it has. Stop not to that not to that extent. Not to that extent where it's so like obvious you know i feel like people would be more subtle anyway that's it was it was almost bad dream like yeah um and then i also kind of thought with the kids in the alleyway outside mm. i thought like they're like very physical representation of his inner demons and like mm. shouting at him and like calling him a pedo and stuff and mm. i feel like for mark being a pedo is his worst fear Right. Like, I feel like it's a very real fear for him. I don't think he is, and that's not what I'm saying. Right. I'm saying, like, for him... He's just really worried that he could be. He could be. He's probably but, exactly the sort of person that could be. Yeah. Like he, that's, and that's why he worries he, so much about it, is that people would believe it. Yeah. It's not the kind of person where a kid points at you and go and says... You're a pedo. You're a and, pedo, and everyone's like, like nah. what, what are you talking about? This yeah. person clearly has sex with people the same age. Yeah. But Mark... He knows yeah. that he's, he could he's be. A, yeah, he knows he could be. And I feel like he wouldn't... And I feel like this is a real insight into Mark's character as well. Yeah. Because I feel like he wouldn't feel bad about being a pedo. He'd think it was awkward. <laughs> he wouldn't think it was bad because it was a dreadful thing to do, right? Mm. He'd just he'd feel I mean, awkward about it. I don't know. I don't know, because um, I saw something else. I saw something else with Mark in this episode. Whereas, like, he... Uh, he does sort of have empathy for underprivileged people. There's something I noticed the other day when we... We watch Peep Show too much, by the way. This is what people yeah, are going to yeah, get do. from this. But I can't remember what episode it was we were watching the other day. But, uh, oh, it's the episode where uh, Jez and Nancy get married. Spoilers. Mm. And uh, he says... Um, he says something about, like, in the olden days they had Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> now we have the home office. Um, <laughs> and something about love being blind and then saying that's not a joke about David Blunkett and everyone laughs and he goes, no, seriously, I would never make that joke. You know? That's true. And he worked with blind people. Right. And he worked with the blind kids. That's what I was going to say, yeah. right? It, really, it seems to have really affected him or at yeah. least it's part of what, it's part of what he centered himself around. Maybe, yeah. because the thing I got is the way he kind of like, he, I think him reading Stalingrad in the first episode was a great choice to introduce him as a character because he's so... You really get the sense that he's so militaristic about the way he thinks of things. He thinks of things as objectives. Mm. And I noticed that in exactly the way he talked about Sophie. It wasn't like, it wasn't like a pure like desperation of love. Yeah. And, it's, and you al it almost... Was, it, it was about it was about getting to the target. Yeah, and you yeah. kind of see that throughout the rest of the thing. Almost like he treats life like a video game, you know? Like he's kind of like, okay, right, do this, get the wife, have the kid, yeah. have the job. It's like when he's like planning out his life with Sophie and he's like, oh, I've just got to get Wednesday sorted or whatever. Yeah. And like, you know, it's almost like he is just playing a really boring video game and it's just like ticking off the boxes. Yeah. And like he's bored of life. Almost in a way that he's kind of dissociated from life yeah. is what I was thinking. Yeah. I th yeah. you know, um, also he's, he's, he's so much more childish early on. Like, he feels very yeah, immature feels and feels very innocent, yeah, absolutely. Um, which is totally not how he feels later on. So what, um, the other thing I thought that was really interesting in the juxtaposition between Mark and Jez, mm. <clears throat> Mark's very much, like, overly anxious, and worried, 
to the point of obsession about bad things that can happen. Whereas Jez is very much the opposite. He's like, Jez is like what we could all be if we had no impulse control, you know? Right. I think like each one of them represents the two extremes that people think, oh, that could be me. And they're both very relatable. But I noticed early on, it, it really does set it up so that you're kind of identifying and you're like, which one am I? I don't know if you get that watching it. But mm. I'm, I watch it and I'm like, am I more Mark or more Jeremy? Yeah. It's almost designed that way. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. A friend of mine once said, uh, you know, the, the, the moment you really get peep shows when you realise you're both of them. Yeah, but, and it's true. I think that's true. You know, like maybe like an angel and devil archetype or something. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. The thing I, find, the thing I found about uh, Jez is just like, you forget, <laughs> I think, later on, because he kind of, well, they both get warped. And I think, I think it is by this toxic codependent relationship yeah. they have. He, he's really nice, and you forget that later on. You know, they haven't, they don't say it in this episode, but obviously we learn later on that he used to be a nurse, and they don't really say much about that. But I really thought, like, so in this episode, obviously, you had, uh, you had Jez. By the way, sorry, one thing about this that mm. I noticed that was amazing from the office, just how many plot lines they managed to fit into such a short space. Yeah, of time. I was really impressed with that, and and how much how much they hint at that it's like. Kind of, you get the sense that these are already very richly drawn characters, and yeah. like obviously they do a lot of development work in that. It feels like coming in partway through the series. It yeah, feel like a first such episode. such swift introductions to characters like Tony. I was looking at. I was like, this is incredible. Like, and they they managed to do like the really funny lines, like when she's like, you know, wait till you set light to the maze at Hampton Court Palace, then you find out who your real friends are. And well, like, what kind of shop doesn't have Alpha? Yeah. <laughs> And like it's really funny, but like it's also it also hints at a hell of a lot that yeah. I kind of didn't really and take in the first time round. Yeah, I mean, I always used to think that the I don't can't don't know her name, but the the woman that's playing Tony, mm. I always remember thinking she was kind of hammy and over the top. But actually, you no, know, she conveys so much with just little twitch of yeah. her eye where she's smiling, and you know, I well, she been anything else because she's really good. Yeah, she's pretty good. I don't know if she's she's. I would imagine she's been in other yeah. things. No, she was great. Um, the similar thing was with Superhands. Superhands, uh, he seems... I can't believe how normal he seems early on. So, you know, Superhands is kind of like the the wacky neighbour character, you know, the the Kramer of this mm. show. But he... I didn't expect his introduction on rewatching to seem... For him to seem so much like a real person because he's so cartoonish later but on. But I think I think part of his charm and part of the the way he was actually set up. I saw an interview on this with Mitchell and Webb. They yeah. were saying like they thought the funniest thing to do in something like that would be to have like the the strangest character mm. and like the most the funniest with the weirdest backstory mm. in life as a side character, and you only ever get hints at that. Mm, mm. And I think they're right. It absolutely is funny in that way. But like the intro to that is incredible. So he comes in and they do like the weird little handshake. Yeah. And and Jez says super hands. But at that point it's not clear that super hands is his name, right? Yeah. Because they're doing the hands thing. Super hands. When you, yeah. <laughs> like I thought, you know, it could be it could be misinterpreted you're right, you're right. when you're first watching it. And then you learn that this guy's name is Superhands, and then you're like, what? Yeah. Right? So like it doesn't come in immediately, but like, it definitely hints at like the kind of the the very subtle hints to something a lot deeper to the character that you never get to the bottom of right to the end. Yeah. You never get to that. I mean, we were talking I mean about you this. do learn his name later on when he gets married, but 
even then you're kind of like, well, could that be his real name? That could just be something he made up, you know. He's a very similar character to, um, <coughs> I know you never, you don't like Scrubs, but I used to love Scrubs and I still do. Still do, even though it's really problematic now. It's not um, aged well. Uh-huh. It's not aged well, but then no, nothing has, has it? But he's it's a very similar character to the janitor in, in Scrubs. But, you know, we won't talk about that more because you, you don't know who I'm talking about. So, um... <laughs> Anyway, but what was really interesting about uh, Superhands to me as well is just like Jez's relationship with Superhands and 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 him ping ponging between uh, Mark and Superhands to defend his self esteem. You know, yeah. So he's so hurt by by Mark's honest feelings about his track that he then. Uh, he then believes everything the Superhands says and then comes back and he's even saying Rowenge. And so you know that it's like Superhands that got in his head and he's going on about him having his tie done up to 11 and everything else. Yeah, I and picked like up on that needs, as well. It's like he needs Superhands' like, yeah. uh, I don't care about anything attitude to like I think, deal I think, with Mark. Yeah, I think you, you know? do get the impression that, that Jeremy is very impressionable. Yeah, totally, totally. Like quite early on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say the setting in Croydon is perfect. Why? Because it's not quite London. It's not quite London. I mean, technically it is London, <laughs> but it's not quite London. And in a similar way, like technically these are fully functioning adults, but they're not really, you know? Yeah. And it, No, you're right. It absolutely makes and sense. And they're not, they're not poor. But they're not but they're not well rich off. either. They're, either. And, they're not, and they're not successful. And you general. definitely get that in the comparison between them and Tony, for example, yeah, exactly. you know? Because like it's it's very subtle. It's it's almost like it's like they almost could have made it, right? Yeah. But neither of them ever did. And I guess that's kind of the whole point of the show. I don't know what the age gap between them and Tony is, but she Is she meant to be a little bit older, I think? Yeah, like maybe five or six years yeah. older. Yeah. I was going to say, actually... It's interesting because both our families come from Croydon. It is very interesting that both our families... There we go, see? And this is why this affects us so much. And we're also in a, in a dangerous codependent relationship. I mean, I'd like to think not. Also, <laughs> just, just an interesting fact for the one listener, yeah. Tilly Carter, later this evening when she's listening this to it back. This is really... You, <laughs> you're going to send me for my... Like, running to my super hands to... Baby, I'm joking. against you crushing my dreams. I'm joking. This is actually a really good idea and I'm having a great time. Okay. Anyway, I forgot what I was going to say now. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah. Oh, Oh. yeah, no. A fun fact. Um, the Oval Oval Tavern, which you see later on in Peep Show, yeah. is around the corner from where I get my hair cut. Oh, you shouldn't reveal that on the show. Why? Well, well I don't get my hair cut there anymore. Oh, so yeah, that's fine, actually. So you lied. Well, right. I used to get my hair cut there a while ago. It's quite exciting, isn't it? It's a fun fact for people. The record shows that you did, in fact, lie. Okay, I'm gonna. Shall I start that again, and you can cut the waffle? No, absolutely not. No, okay. this needs to be on record. This needs to be on record. On record. Okay. I was gonna say the thing about Jez being a Jez being a nurse <laughs> is how sensitively he treat. This is what I mean by him being such a nice guy. Like he really was amazed yeah, no. by this woman that he thought had cancer. Oh uh, yeah, I was thinking that. I feel like we haven't talked very much about like what actually happened in the show, but are we assuming that people that people will watch this before they watch the episode before listening to this? I don't think we should assume that anyone's <laughs> no. So what I what I was just talking about there is obviously for those of you that haven't seen the episode yet or don't quite remember, 
part of the plot, there's a party at Tony's house and uh, Mark has heard that Tony's sister has cancer and lets Jeremy mm. know that the woman he's dancing with, who is Tony's sister, has cancer. But then it turns out it's another sister. But yeah. the whole time, Jez <laughs> thinks that this woman has cancer. He's so like sensitive and tender yeah. about it. And I think that obviously comes from him being a nurse. So it's a, another way that like when we learn later on, subconsciously, mm. we're not surprised that he used to be a nurse, which is weird yeah. in and of itself because especially during that period of time, having a male nurse as yeah, one of your was, main characters would at least yeah. be a talking point, but it also sort of kind of passes over you. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, no, he's, he's, he, I think he's a very sensitive, compassionate person yeah. and uh, he's too good too good for Mark. Something I thought was really interesting um, <coughs> and, and kind of quite clever, really, was that um, they made quite very kind of like on the nose, but also subtle references to the kind of um, character archetypes of of sitcoms. I don't know if you picked up on this. Yeah, totally, yeah. Um, when like, for example, Jez is talking about Sophie and he's like, oh yeah, you like, I like, no, no, Mark says, oh, I like Sophie, the office girl. Yeah. You know. Yeah, of course, yeah. Well, but like but but what's great about that is they do set up these archetypes and then they smash them down because actually these characters have got so much more depth to them. Yeah. And that, and also when when Tony says I'm not I'm not just the fuck jar next door. Yeah. And it's like you can totally imagine like that was the pitch, right? Yeah. And like when they were pitching this, they were like, "Oh, this is Tony. She's the fuck jar from next door." Um And it's almost like Maybe, yeah. No? Fuck jar is a really horrible word. It really is. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think the thing with the thing with Sophie that's brilliant is is that it's so right, mm. the so perfect the analogy that he draws at the end when he says that Tony is like Russia, vast, yeah. unconquerable, mysterious, and uh, <laughs> Sophie is like Poland, Poland, weak, easy to control, easy to and like not go, not likely to fight back or something like that. Yeah. Lines. Oh yeah. And you're just really like, dark. And yeah, totally. Um, Mark <coughs> to me is that that indicates that one Mark. like Mark's sort of psychopathy or sociopathy yeah. early on, but also just uh, just it really reinforces this idea that he lives his life like a video game this is about achieving something yeah. he's not if he goes for tony he's not like get a, away like a game you know? of risk almost yeah exactly yeah and like and he i think he does say he likes risk doesn't he later I'm on i'm sure he does probably but it's you know it's brilliant how that leads him to unhappiness yeah I mean, we'll talk through about not through later. not really engaging yeah i mean i kind think of he's, just I think, yeah, viewing I think he's the whole very thing dissociated process. from his life oh yeah no it makes sense possibly because he's got a secret what that he's a pedophile no We'll talk about this on a later episode. What's his secret? Uh, Is it the illusion that he's sexually abused? And why was he watching a dating show that is a, a, a twenty-four hour dating network show on his uh, on his TV in his dressing gown, just like randomly and clearly not privately? Jess walked in. Odd choice to have on TV. Why? Well, because what are you? What are you? Um... Well, I, 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 I think, I think Mark is a pervert. Yeah, makes sense. I think he is. You know, there's a lot of uh, references to browsing history, and I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I think, I think. No, Mark I feel like he'd be very boring. He'd masturbate just the right amount. 
Like he'd probably work out what. Oh, he'd be like, I should do this. Yeah, this is something I, this should, is something do. I should do. And like yeah. he, or, or he'd like work out the benefits of it, you know, <laughs> and like work out the the optimum level. And and by the way, uh, that's also <clears throat> clearly indicates how dissociated from his own life he is as well. Yeah. Something we were talking about um, when we were when we were discussing this idea, I think what led us into this idea uh, was the fact that. It, we learn later on in the show, way later on in the show, that Jeremy has smoked weed every day and always has. Yeah. Ever since Mark's known him. And so we were trying to figure out, can you work out when he's stoned in the show? And I'm going to say, either he was stoned the whole time, or there wasn't a definite point where he was stoned in this one for me. Did you notice anything that might have indicated he was stoned at some point? No. I don't think so. Now, this, is, this could be a plot hole. This could be a major plot hole that they never... But I, I feel like the show is so clever and so layered yeah, that, that the writers really I did think know when, when they're writing him whether he's stoned or not, I think. But yeah, I, I thought it was funny, the bit where he's talking about the egg on the fridge and he's like, I'm just like, he's like laughing at the egg on the fridge and he's like, oh, it's so funny. It really looks like an actual egg. And you get, the, you kind of get the impression that he's like flirting with Tony yeah. and he's just saying it for something to say. But then actually when you really look at it, you're kind of like, actually maybe that's something he would find really entertaining. Yeah. And whether that's him or that's him being stoned, yeah, I don't know. I don't, yeah, okay. So that's the clearest indication is that during that scene, yeah. and we did see the woman he was with, uh, Tony's sister, roll a joint. Later yeah. On. That's true. Someone said to me once that one of the one of the bravest things about Peep Show and, mm -hmm. and most unique things about Peep Show is that you is that drugs are not censored. No, you see them closely from so a first person perspective. Brazen about it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know whether the writers of the show are like huge potheads or anything, but like clearly people that were working in production on the show were because like it looks they know they know a certain amount about the paraphernalia. Yeah, don't exactly. They? I think so. They must do. You have any more thoughts? Well, we're going to do our favourite quote from the show. Yes, that's what I was going to say. We, we, we talked about rounding off with our favourite quote from the show. Yeah, um, see, I kept coming up with new quotes. I liked Bit of Lager, but I've written down... What was the Bit of Lager one for the benefit of the audience? With the... That's my Bit of Lager! <laughs> Great impression. Um, you do have to do an right? impression every time. Now, yeah, though. you do. Just let you know. Um, but I think for me it's got to be the... What about my poo? But with the are you are you kidding? Thing. No, are you kidding? The, yeah, did you write it down that? Look as well? at what's written down there. I know, and you know why that is. What are you doing? What about what? the poo? You know why this is. Yeah, we both have IBS. Yeah, listeners. so we relate to this. Like, so it's like this is yeah, like when when you when you're like ready to go to the toilet and then you like accidentally say something to someone you're like wait why did I do that? What about <laughs> my poo? I think that happened earlier actually. It actually did on the way home. <laughs> Sorry. I think it happened twice. Yeah, IBS life. Maybe we maybe this should be called uh Two Lesbians. Two Lesbians with, with IBS, IBS talking about Peep talking Show. About peep show. <laughs> or, you know, Peep Show the Poop Review or something. Two lesbians, one jar, one episode of Peep Show. Maybe two lesbians one peep show is actually a good title because what are they We're doing? We're gonna with talk the cup? about yeah, exactly. What are they doing with the cup They're and two pooing girls one cup? In the cup, right? And what are we doing with Peep Show? Talking about the bits about poo. <laughs> we're we're pooing all over Peep Show is what we're doing. Yeah. Um I really feel like we, we don't should move away we from move fecal away from deposits the at this point. The, fe the fecal fecal matter. So uh <laughs> <laughs> so no, no not too well, well, Hopefully poop. we'll cut all the like 
Well, not all of this, but a certain chunk of it. If you keep uh, you keep mentioning cuts, it means we don't get to we don't get to cheese. We have to cut it. No, you can't have us talking about cutting. Or it. you can do that thing where they're like they're like you're gonna cut this right, and then it stays in. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right. Well, I mean, so just one just one favorite quote there because we both wrote the same thing down. Okay. Well, I'm. I love the bit where he's talking sexy about. Stalingrad. Yeah, because he genuinely found that sexy. You could, he yeah, like he was really yeah, yeah, off. yeah. He really thinks history is sexy. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's very attractive to him because the stuff's happened. Nothing. He doesn't have about. to worry about it anymore. Yeah, you know, yeah that's if true. If you follow the stock market and also follow current events. Yeah, and you'd be following a narrative if you were kind of doing like history like from a, from, as like a role play. Um. You'd have a very clear script to stick to and, and you wouldn't have to worry too much, which I feel like would be Mark's problem, right? He'd be worried about having to make a decision. This is a family podcast. Yeah, we're talking about Stalin. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll end it there. Um, I'm going to set up uh, an email address. Um, if you've got your thoughts and you want to send them our way. We haven't got an email address yet. (laughs) So we'll probably put it somewhere on a website or something. Yeah, I think when we post this, we'll post the email address in the... Depending on what the show's called, it will either be gay for peep show at googlemail.com or two lesbians talking about peep show at google.com. And what if those are taken? Um, then it'll be something else. Yeah. That's the mystery of the show. <laughs> it's going to be a different email address every week. Right, how should we sign this off? I'm thinking. Bye. <laughs> Maybe we should do like a nice choral rendition of the end credits. No. Oh, what's the the, the end credits? Paranoia, that paranoia, one. Paranoia. Yeah, but I can't sing. Everybody is coming to get me. To say you never met get me. me. I'm, I'm running, running underground, underground with, with the moles, digging, digging holes. Bum, ba, dum, ba, dum. Right, bye.